you know, the, the season doesn't stop, and we got uh, a tall test ahead of us this week. There's a ton of games left and a ton of baseball left. So, um, you know, today was disappointing, but we got to get right back at it tomorrow. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. So I was on vacation last week, right? Ben Kenny filling in. Thank you, Ben. Everyone tweet at Ben Kenny. Hashtag thank you, Ben Kenny. We appreciate him. I was off last week and I'm amped to be back. We have a lot to talk about. The Brewers doing Brewers things and we're getting so close to football season. First preseason game in the books for the Packers and training camp and all these different things I want to talk about. I'm really excited. One thing about my vacation before we start the show, you know, some people, they, uh, they go on vacation or they go on a trip to find something. Or find themselves. Maybe, they, maybe they're trying to find someone. Maybe they're trying to find themselves. Right? Aaron Rodgers just did a podcast last week talking about doing drugs in Peru. Found self-love. That's awesome. Sounds like a very productive vacation. Maybe we'll talk about that podcast and Aaron Rodgers on tonight's show. So I went out to Montana mostly to see a buddy and go fishing. I didn't go out there to find anything or anyone. I didn't go out there to find myself. I'm, I'm fairly comfortable with myself. I, I know who I am no matter where I am. Uh, but I did find one thing out about myself. Not find myself, but I found out something about myself. Four. The number four. That's the number of drinks I need before I start talking about how I'm a Packers owner. Really fun. I found the number. And you might think when you get to five or six, you stop talking about being a Packers owner. No, actually, then it gets more specific. Uh, then we get into you know pertinent details and financials from the ownership meeting. <laughs> I was, I was visiting a buddy out west that there is a, a restaurant in his town. He lives in Ennis, Montana. It's called Tavern 287. The owner's from Appleton. Who knew? I was chopping it up with him. And at this point, I had probably more than four drinks on this particular night. And at one point, I thanked him for his patronage of the Packers. <laughs> As if I played on the team. I'm like, hey, buddy, I appreciate the support. At that point, it was more than four drinks, but the cutoff was very clear, and I tweeted as such last week. Four drinks, I'm going to tell you about how I'm a Packers owner. And that that number was nailed down, etched in stone. That's facts now. That's not an estimation. Four drinks, boom. Hi, my name's Grant Bills. I'm an NFL owner. (laughs) This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I host this program uh, and own an NFL team. I know. I am a jack of all trades. I am excited to be back. We do have a ton to talk about. Uh, one of the, the bittersweet things about going on vacation is when I'm gone, I always see sports stories. I'm like, man, I would love to talk about that. That's fun. That would be fun to talk about for 15 minutes. I would love to take a call from Eric on I-90 or whoever and get that person's opinion on this. Wow, right? So I'm seeing all of these topics go by last week and all these things going on with the Packers and the preseason game on Friday night. Like, man, I can't wait to talk about this. So I'm very excited. We're going to hit the ground running tonight. Um, do a lot of Packers. We're at the point of the summer, especially the way the Brewers are trending, we're going to work in a lot more Packers talk. So I'm very excited about that. Mike Clemens, not tonight, but I think you will join us tomorrow and Thursday. We're going to get back on that uh, in-season football season, Tuesday, Thursday schedule where we talk to Mike. I love that. We're also going to talk a little bit about the Brewers tonight as well because they had a huge series this weekend. And I believe seven of their next 10, I think that's how it shakes out, seven of their next 10 against the Los Angeles Dodgers. We've done nothing but win since the All-Star break and the trade deadline. Uh, funny how things work when you don't trade away one of your best players. You continue to win. Bizarre. 608-796-2558 if you'd like to give me a call or give me a text. And I am on Twitter at Wisco Grant. I want to start with the Brewers. 
I'd say this week's probably going to be about 75% Packers. We're getting into the thick of it. Uh, and I'd have no problem talking about the Packers all day today, but we had a huge weekend series against St. Louis. I tweeted on Saturday night, and I will read you verbatim at Wisco Grant. I tweeted, I should be amped out of my mind for Brewers Cardinals, and I'm just not. Like, yeah, high-level baseball game. Certainly was watching. Certainly was listening. I was driving home from the airport on Saturday night, so I had it uh, on the radio. I was actually listening to 1670 AM. The the zone, our affiliate in Madison, for some reason, was coming through near the Minnesota border, and Eau Claire was not. Whatever. I don't know how the radio frequencies work over there. A lot of hills. Whatever. I was listening. But I wasn't amped up for this series like maybe I would have been a month or two ago. And you might feel the same as me. You might not. I don't think there's a right or a wrong way to feel. I feel, for me, that David Stern's handling of the trade deadline a few Mondays ago sucked all the air out of my Brewers balloon. Like, yeah, good team. Yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty good. And they might put together a fun race down the stretch to try to win the NL Central here. But that just sucked a lot of air out of my Brewers balloon. The last three games in St. Louis, most predictable games ever. All these games scream 2022 Milwaukee Brewers. Friday night, Eric Lauer, six innings. Gave up a homer to Arenado and a homer to Goldschmidt. But what, But other than that, yeah, he was great. Other than, you know, that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? Brewers, of course, can't score more than one run. They lose. Saturday, Corbin Burns goes seven innings, only gives up one run against that offense in St. Louis. But the pathetic Brewers offense, of course, needs 10 innings to barely scrape together a win. Typical. And then yesterday, Aaron Ashby was really, really good. Again! The Brewers get two runs in the second off a two-run home run, and that was it until garbage time in the ninth when the game was essentially out of hand. Aaron Ashby's 2-10. and ten. What the hell? I saw that stat yesterday, and I tweeted about it. That's bananas. Aaron Ashby's not Max Scherzer. He's not Corbin Burns, but 2-10. and ten. If you showed someone that record, they'd be like, why is this guy still in the majors? Well, watch him. He's actually a pretty good starter. He's covered a lot of good innings for the Brewers this year. Good strikeout stuff, good ground ball stuff, has all the pieces, but for whatever reason, it just doesn't work out for the guy. He doesn't get the offense. He doesn't get the length of the game. I, I don't know what it is. His defense can't make plays behind him. Aaron Ashby, 2-10. and 10. It's bananas. I know we all thought this in yesterday's game. If you were watching, the Brewers went up 2-0 in the second inning. Or was it the third? It was early in the game. I think it was the second inning. And then the Cardinals answered in the bottom of that inning with a home run, and it's 2-1. to one. And I guarantee 99% of Brewers fans, myself included, in that moment thought, well, we're going to have to win this game 2-1 to one, because God knows we're not scoring anymore. And that just sums up the 2022 Milwaukee Brewers in a nutshell. We could dig into the details of yesterday's game and really break down this series and talk about strategy and what went wrong. For example, I thought Aaron Ashby maybe could have gone another inning or two yesterday. 79 pitches through six innings. I mean, Wainwright went nine the other night. Did Michaelis pitch into the eighth yesterday? He certainly went a lot longer than Ashby, and it's not like Ashby was 100 pitches, 105 pitches, right? So I thought Ashby could have gone longer. Maybe that's a different strategical move that Craig Council and the Brewers could have made, and we could talk about strategy and pitching moves and all these things, but if we do that, I think we're missing the point. We're completely missing the point on this Brewers team if we say, well, Ashby could have pitched one more inning, and then you go to Matt Bush. It's a stop, 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 stop. The point isn't strategy and pitching moves, and Craig Council this, Craig Council that. The point is, the Brewers' margin for error is so slim that a routine pitching choice can sink them, as we saw yesterday, right? They aren't good enough to not be perfect, even with the smallest, most mundane things. It's like, we're going to bring in Matt Bush in the seventh instead of the eighth. No, nope. you lose. 
because your offense isn't good enough to make up for it if Matt Bush isn't perfect. The back end of your bullpen is no longer deep enough to make up for it if it's not perfect, right? The point isn't the move of Matt Bush or Taylor Rogers or Aaron Ashby coming on the six. The point is you're not good enough to overcome even the smallest, slightest little inconveniences, right? And I think the Brewers, especially Craig Council, I've talked about this for years, are really, really good at the small things. Bringing in this pitcher here instead of there and pulling this guy a little bit early or letting this guy go a little bit. I think they're really good at that stuff. I tweeted earlier today that I was really feeling a Civil War analogy on tonight's show. This is how I think of it. Craig Council's like General Robert E. Lee, you know, minus the insurrection and the the racism stuff more from a <laughs> more from a leadership perspective lee was typically thought of maybe you remember this as a better general than ulysses s grant although give grant his flowers he was a better general than people remember him as he was a crummy president and he was kind of a drunk but very good general but probably not as good as robert e lee right and i was reading about some battles say i took a push in high school i really like history read history books but i was looking back i was like when was lee's swan song like what was his moment in the civil war Battle of Chancellorville. I actually don't remember this from high school or college. He faced the Army of the Potomac, which was 115,000 men. He only had 60,000 men, and he won the battle. He split his army twice. It's like splitting in blackjack and then splitting again. He outflanks all the Northerners, picks them off. Brilliant move. The swan song, the magnum opus of Robert E. Lee, right? And to me, this is akin to how Craig Council handled especially the playoffs in 2018 if you go back and look how he managed his starting pitching which by most metrics stunk in 2018 you could almost make the point that he didn't have starting pitching (laughs) oh i read gonzalez and i thought chi chi gonzalez geo gonzalez pitched two innings in game one that's it wade miley went five and two thirds in game two is actually pretty good yolisha seen went five and a third in game three geo gonzalez pitched one inning in game four and wade miley pitched one batter in game five Craig Council and the Brewers lost in seven to that Dodgers team, a team that was much better, much deeper, much stronger. Very similarly to how the North ultimately beat the South. And Lee surrendered Battle of Appomattox Courthouse. That's one you should know. You got to remember that's final one, 1865. Grant, in that battle, by the way, I looked it up today, had 63,000 troops. Lee had 26,000. It just had played out. You're like, yeah, Lee's great, and they've employed great strategy, but we've kind of reached the end of the rope. For, for how well the South can actually do in this war. I say that to say this. I like history, so I want to bring it up. But Robert E. Lee's mistakes towards the end of the war weren't the point. It's like, oh, he was too aggressive in this one. Well, he was outnumbered by 60,000 troops, okay? So we could talk about strategy and how he made this mistake. He wasn't going to win, all right? The end was inevitable. And I think the same can be said of the Brewers. We could break down all of these little things and say, well, Matt Bush should be the eighth inning guy, not the ninth inning guy. But the sense that I'm getting in the sense that I got last week and this weekend, and the Dodgers will be a true test. They just aren't that good. They're fine. They're fine, right? They're fine enough to sneak out some crazy wins, as we saw on Saturday, but probably not consistently against the big boys, against the Union Army. It's got a lot more troops. So we'll watch some games against the Dodgers this week. We'll put the Brewers talk to the side. We'll watch the Packers, right? And we'll just monitor the the Brewers in the background. And if something drastically changes this week and they get hot and they start whooping up on the Dodgers, okay, we can revisit. But this is how I feel right now in the moment. It just feels like there's a hard ceiling on what they can do, even with the most brilliant strategy, like we saw, for example, in Civil War. I want to talk about the Packers a little bit, too, before we take our first break. We had some Packers news yesterday. Surprising? I don't know if it was surprising, but it feels like 
the last couple of seasons, especially towards the end of the seasons for the Packers, have been unlucky. Like, man, we can't catch a break. And Vikings fans, Lions fans, Bears fans would probably laugh at that. It's like, what do you mean you can't catch a break? You have the best quarterback in the league. You hired another good head coach, right? You have all these great players. What do you mean you're unlucky? Well, since 2014, it seems like in big moments, this team has been nothing but unlucky. Everything that happened in that game in 2014 against the Seahawks. And then two years ago against the Bucks, Bakhtiari got injured. And then he wasn't able to come back last year. And then also last year, Jair got hurt. And Robert Tunyon and Zedarius Smith, and you're without them for long stretches. And the special teams went in the tank. And Kevin King's giving up free touchdowns going into half against Tom Brady. And Aaron Jones is fumbling on the five-yard line. It's like, what? what is this? We're favored in a lot of these playoff games. Some of them are at home. And it just seems like something's always going wrong. Poor execution or just straight bad luck with injuries. Well, yesterday with the Packers, we actually had some good news. Some good news that feels like good luck. So Elton Jenkins... Robert Tunyon and Christian Watson are all coming off the pup. And I saw that. Sat up straight in my chair. (laughs) What do we have here? I feel like we've been getting bad ACL news for a year and a half now with David Bakhtiari. Elton Jenkins is ahead of schedule. Robert Tunyon is ahead of schedule, seemingly. Christian Watson back on the field. All right. I like this. I I almost look around suspiciously feeling like now some bad news is coming. A lot of the Packers injury news and what's gone down the last two or three years has been unlucky, like I said, but this is awesome. They all practiced yesterday. Doesn't mean they were going all out, but Elton Jenkins is out there running drills at right tackle. Robert Tunyon, Christian Watson doing on-field activities. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that they'll play week one or appear in the preseason, but the pup has some pretty specific rules, or as real football people say, PUP. We call it the PUP list, physically unable to perform list. Here are a couple of rules surrounding the PUP, and we can maybe use these as indicators as to where Elton Jenkins, Tunyon, and Christian Watson are specifically. I'm just going to read you a couple of these bullet points. If a player practices during training camp, they are not eligible for the PUP list. Instead, the team has to cut the player or put them on injured reserve. None of these guys have practiced yet, which is why they can be on the PUP. If a player finishes preseason on the PUP, they can be placed on the regular season PUP list which won't be the case because they've removed them from the PUP. Players on the PUP list may not practice or play the first six weeks of the season. After the sixth week, the player must be allowed to return to practice, placed on injured reserve, or released within five weeks. Okay, now we haven't gotten to that point, and we won't because they've been taken off the PUP. Here's the kicker. If the player returns to practice, the team has three weeks to decide to place him on the active roster or on the injured reserve list. That last part is most indicative for the situation of Elton Jenkins, Robert Tunyon, both coming off ACL injuries midseason last year, and Christian Watson, who had offseason surgery and is just starting to get ramped up. The Packers obviously feel good enough about those three guys to activate them and know that within the next three weeks, they'll be good to go and they won't need to put them on IR. If they had to plan to put Elton Jenkins on IR, if they thought Elton Jenkins wouldn't be ready until week 10, they would have kept him on the putt. Right, And maybe the regular season starts. Maybe then he goes on IR. He can be eligible to return. They go about it differently. They wouldn't do this this way if Elton Jenkins wasn't going to be ready until November or if Christian Watson wasn't going to be ready for two months. Right? Even if Bakhtiari doesn't play until Christmas, or maybe Bakhtiari this season doesn't play at all, just bringing Elton Jenkins back to solidify just one spot on the offensive line makes a huge difference, changes everything. Like, think of the Brewers lineup. We were just talking about the Brewers. Right, They might not be perfect at all nine spots throughout their batting order, but just having that MVP bat in Christian Yelich stick him in the two or the three spot makes everyone 
oh, yeah, he sucks now. That's right. Christian Yelich had a garbage weekend. But imagine if Christian Yelich was that MVP bat, and you could stick him in the middle of the order. Makes everyone better. Elton Jenkins, very similar. We might have questions about some of the younger guys, but if Jenkins is there as an anchor point with all those young guys surrounding him, well, now we got something cooking. So bringing Elton Jenkins back would be huge. We know this team is starved for pass catchers who are experienced and connected with Aaron Rodgers. Robert Tunyon is one of those guys. And Watson is one of their prized draft picks. So if they can get all three of these guys back soon, hell yeah. And all three of them coming off the PUP yesterday or Saturday or wherever it was. I don't know. I lost the concept of time over the last week. A couple days ago, they came off. Awesome news. And that adds, hopefully, a little context as to why that move was made and the timing of what might come next. 608-796-2558. Give me a text or a call. I want to keep talking about the Packers, share some thoughts on Friday night's preseason game and the preseason as a whole. Remember, you can reach out on Twitter at Wisco Grant as well. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. My name is Grant Bills. I'm on Twitter at Wisco Grant. If you want to interact, tweet at me, join the show, or maybe you hate what I have to say, you can block me. Whatever. It's your Twitter account. Rashawn Gary, speak of the devil. He blocked me on Twitter last year. Still kind of irks me. I don't know what I did. I was thinking about this last night. I couldn't fall asleep. Whatever. That's not the point. We're talking Packers. If you'd like to join, you want to talk about Friday's preseason game or anything that you've seen during camp or anything that we might be talking about. You can give me a text or a call, 608-796-2558. No texts yet. Wow. Quiet week. Did you guys text and call Ben last week? You better have texted and called Ben last week when he was filling in. Like, I I hope he got the full experience of what it's like to host this show, which from a caller perspective is actually kind of nuts. It's a little bananas what we do with callers on this show. (laughs) So I hope you guys gave Ben that experience last week. I do appreciate Ben again filling in while I'm gone. I want to quote Ben in something I heard him say on the Bill Michaels show earlier today. That's coming up in about 15 minutes. Let's talk about Friday night's preseason game. I did not watch it. (laughs) I didn't watch it on Friday. I watched most of it yesterday. We got a little bit towards the end of the game and I'm like, what am I doing? You don't need to watch the, you don't need to watch the replay at all. If we're being honest, I probably, my life was made no better. Today's show will be made no better by the fact that I watched this game yesterday Certainly wasn't going to help the show by watching, like, the last part of the fourth quarter. I'm like, man, we're not spending our Sunday afternoon doing this. Even if it's for the show and it's for work. No, 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 no. I'm not doing this. I'm not watching guys I've never heard of, especially if it's not live and I can't be on Twitter and kind of experience with everyone else. Definitely not doing it. But I did follow along on Twitter on Friday night, you know, to dinner. Uh, and we were kind of bar hopping around. And, you know, I'm an owner, so I got to stay in the loop with what the squad is doing, even in the preseason, even when I'm on vacation. From afar, this is what I saw. This is what I saw on Twitter. And I've gotten pretty good at absorbing things through Twitter. Like if I'm not watching the Packers, which I always watch the Packers in the regular season, but the Brewers, for example, or the Bucks, meaningless uh, mundane regular season game. I can take a five-minute scroll through Twitter and basically understand what's going on, get a good vibe. This is what I saw from Twitter on Friday night. Bad Jordan Love stats. And... Folks telling me why those bad Jordan Love stats don't matter. <laughs> that's that's what was in play. Those were the two forces at work. Like, what's the expression? Uh, 
uh, an immovable object versus an unstoppable force. That's what Packers Twitter was. It's like, man, Jordan Love, Jordan Love's stats suck, but the stats shouldn't matter. Don't look at the stats. The stats are misleading. It was actually kind of funny to watch those two forces go back and forth on the timeline. And then you could read about it and kind of get that same sense from talk radio and TV the last couple of days. I feel like I've seen that movie before with Jordan Love, right? Numbers weren't good, but maybe the numbers don't tell the whole story. Like every time we've seen Jordan Love play, the Kansas City game last year is a great example. Walked away from that game, not impressed, but it probably wasn't as miserable and poor as the stats would tell you. I think the same of Friday night's game, right? The box score was 13 to 24, 176 yards, two touchdowns, three picks. You probably watched the game or you checked the score, but just for context, in case anyone didn't watch. 13 to 24, eh. only 176 yards, uh, great. two touchdowns. The three picks is not ideal. Um, and the classic retort to any time, especially Jordan Love throws a pick. It's like, well, they weren't his fault. I'm starting to think that Packers fans just stink at comprehending and understanding an interception because we never see them. Aaron Rodgers never throws picks. So when we're confronted with a quarterback like Jordan Love, who kind of slings it around a little bit and puts the ball in harm's way, especially in the preseason, we don't know how to react. Well, oh, well, yeah, that was a pick, but uh, uh, not his fault. Ball bounce out of it. Well, yeah, that actually happens a lot in the course of all of the other teams with all of the other quarterbacks, except Aaron Rodgers is such a sicko when it comes to not throwing picks. We live in this outlier community where we don't really have to understand and comprehend and break down how interceptions work and actually what they mean. I don't really care about Jordan Love's stats. And I watched the game. Two of those probably weren't his fault. They weren't perfect throws, but I'm not going to grill him for it. I want to see Jordan Love pass the eye test. I don't really care about his stats, especially in the preseason. Danny Etling's stats were great, and I don't care at all. I want to watch Jordan Love and think, hmm, this this guy's got something. Look at, look at this guy. Regardless of what the numbers might say, right? I want to, I want to see it. I want him to pass the eye test. And that's tough in the preseason. Preseason's really difficult to comprehend. I don't, like, dream of bringing players on the show because I don't really like listening to interviews with players. They're not really that interesting. The players don't say much, and it just doesn't really make for great radio or great podcast. But I would love to have a player on or a former player and just ask them, okay, can you help us as fans understand the preseason? Throw us a life raft here. How do I watch this game? Like, give me a roadmap to understanding how preseason football works and actually what's going on down there. Because we can look at Jordan Love's stat line and say, he sucks, he needs to be better. Wow, Danny Etling, really efficient. Couple touchdowns, no bad mistakes. Six of eight, like, wow, really, really good. Help me explain why that happens. Help me explain the inner workings. Aaron Rodgers talked a little bit about the preseason last week and what it's like, what it means. I'm going to play you one clip before we go to the phones. Aaron Rodgers was asked, what's more important? Or what are we talking about? Practice reps, preseason reps in the game. Explain what's valuable to a young player like Jordan Love. Well, I mean, I, I've said it before. I, I think the practice reps are as important as, as the preseason reps. Preseason, you know, you want to be efficient. You want to look good. But there's almost an expectation of playing well because it's very limited defense usually. Now, we used to play Tennessee back in the day, and they played their starters. That was more of a game-like situation. We usually got hammered our second and third teams playing against them. But um, it's, it's a lot more vanilla on defense. So I think the practice reps, a day like today, you know, it's good film for them to watch going against our one defense. Obviously, it's been very difficult for us uh, throughout training camp. So, But it just comes down to consistency with the fundamentals. When he throws the ball on time and in rhythm, he's been very accurate this camp. 
Um, it's just finding ways to be more consistent, you know, every single time with those fundamentals. And, and it's been, you know, I feel like it's been kicking in for him. He's been playing well. In this same press conference, Aaron Rodgers talked about what Jordan Love's goal should be in a preseason game. That'll help us understand. But before we get to that, I want to get to Vagabond John. John, 608-796-2558. What's going on? Oh, it is good to hear that silky smooth voice back on the airwaves. Let's you're, go. Good. Your your voice as well. It's good to hear your voice. Ben Kenny. Did you call Ben Kenny at least once last week, I hope? Oh, of course. Okay. Because good. Good. I, I heard him start to to waver on uh, because you know, my I'm trying to be uh the controversial take that like this badger defense is gonna is gonna tank. And Ben <laughs> and I have gone head to head on a couple different radio shows because yeah. like Jim Leonard is the greatest thing that God has given to this earth. And I'm like, he plays against Northwestern, Purdue, and Illinois every year. Of course his defense has good stats. That's a whole different conversation. Yes, I did call uh, Mr. Ben Kenny last week. I I had the wrong number at first. You had to call the the local Madison number to get in. Realized that after a couple tries, but, you know, we got there. I I, I saw some texts Uh, on the text line when I got in that were there from last week because I'm the only one who has this number, and people are like, is anyone getting through? And I'm like, oh, it's a different number. I hope whoever tried to call eventually eventually got through to Ben. (laughs) Yeah, there were some good callers last week. But uh, this Packer preseason game I thought was kind of fascinating, and you touched a little bit. When you said, do I need to watch the game? Well, when it comes to Jordan Love evaluation, I think you do because if you don't watch the game and you don't do your homework and listen to sports talk or do, or do anything, you think the guy absolutely sucks, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you're like, holy cow, three picks in one half. What, what's going on out there? The reality is absolutely two of those would have been caught uh, by starting receivers. And the one, I mean, we got to give Dobbs some criticism. I mean, you had a backup corner absolutely rip the ball away from your hand, right? So no one's talking about that one. Right. Yes, these interceptions are fluky and they happen to all quarterbacks. But the one where Dobbs literally had the ball ripped out of his hands, I mean, that's a rookie moment for that guy. And, yeah. and heaps of praise are going on him. He's going to have plenty of those rookie moments. I'm glad they're happening in the preseason. That's what it's for. But I thought, uh, if you look around the league, backup quarterbacks that are wowing people. I mean, Baltimore has Tyler Huntley. And he goes out and he goes like 18 for 20 with two touchdowns. Jordan Love is not putting up those numbers, probably won't because of the scheme and how, how many throws he's actually getting. Yeah. Um, I would like to see more of those. I really enjoyed the design run, but I actually thought for me, he actually passed the eye test when I'm looking around the division and I watch Justin Fields play, right? And I watch, um, you know, some of these other guys that were drafted in the top 10 for quarterbacks and I'm watching them play mm-hmm. and I'm thinking to myself, is Jordan Love really that far behind these guys? Cause I, you know, I'm on the blogs, whatever. I'm an internet guy, <laughs> um, got a free time during the day job and people are comparing them to Joe Burrow. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Did the Packers pass on Joe Burrow to yeah. draft Jordan Love? Yeah. I think the only quarterback that we can really like compare if we want to go down that route is Jalen Hurts. Right, mm-hmm. he was the next quarterback drafted after Love. So, um, for the folks out there saying like, "Oh, well, in his class, you know, he's not as good as Joe Burrow," I'm like, "Is he as good as Trevor Lawrence, though?" Yeah, because that guy hasn't been great either. So I don't know. There's a lot of preseason, of course, armchair people. I really was excited by Dobbs. I do think, you know, you see it in um, 
in practice. And to Aaron Rodgers' point, obviously they grind, and and he gets the opportunity to go against two of the best in the league in mm-hmm. practice. Mm-hmm. But there's a different type of pressure during the game, and I think that that's where you only get four attempts in a game. True. Whereas in practice, you know, they're grinding out reps. So to see him perform, you know, pretty well, except for the one where he had the ball ripped away, mm-hmm. um, I think solidified and, you know, gave some valid to the hype that's coming out of training camp. What do you think? Uh, I, well, I agree with you, by the way, that the mistakes, that's what the preseason is for. I, I think Dobbs, as great as he looked in camp, we're going to have moments in the regular season where he disappears or moments in the regular season where he makes mistakes because that's how young wide receivers work like even Justin Jefferson had stretches his rookie year where he kind of disappeared Jamar Chase had a stretch the middle of the year last year where he disappeared and those guys are the best of the best so as good as Dobbs has looked in camp it's going to be a process he's going to need to progress Vagabond John before I let you go I gotta ask though what about our boy Danny Davis getting getting in the end zone is there anything there I mean all over all across the board minus you know, uh, the guy who left UW, Jack Cohn, minus Jack Cohn. <laughs> my buddy said, you need to Venmo me $75 for your terrible Jack Cohn takes. I'm like, listen, one game. But Danny Davis, Kendrick Pryor, uh, you had you had just across the board, Badgers making plays. You know, mm-hmm. Alex Erickson sort of preseason touchdown. Awesome, right? It's just, uh, you know, seeing everybody get involved. I'm, I'm hoping we get to see some more of Scott Nelson in Seattle. Um, I'm hoping we get to see some preseason action there. But then you had the two linebackers. I mean, Sanborn getting an interception. You had, what, Leo Chanel and Sanborn both led their team in tackles, combined for like six tackles for a loss in limited preseason reps. So um, Sanborn, I believe, being an undrafted guy in Chicago. So it's just awesome to see, you know, that defense last year that was so good. The starters go on to have some success, even if it is preseason. But then, yes, obviously – my Bengals, uh, my Bengals fan buddy of mine, is like, who is this prior guy? Give yeah. me the scouting report on him. I'm like, honestly, uh, you know, receivers at Wisconsin, kind of like the NFL equivalent of Jacksonville or the Giants, where you know receivers come to Wisconsin to die. You know, <laughs> like if you want to be undrafted as a receiver, come to Wisconsin. But they still develop talent well, and uh, you know we're seeing flashes in preseason of undrafted receivers. Obviously, there's a long line of success in the NFL, so I hope that you know, with Pryor, he's going to have a tough time cracking into that uh, we are, uh, legendary Bengals, even core. We're, we're going we're gonna to start to wonder if these guys pop in the NFL if Jack Cohen was wasting the prime of Kendrick Pryor and Danny Davis and company. Just something well, to... And our boy Mert. Of course. Right? Yeah. I mean, oh, if, if you can't... We, we don't need to get... It's, it's, it's too early in August to get pessimistic about Mertz, but like, I would never. If we see these guys start to pop, and everyone's <laughs> talking about how, oh yeah, Chimri DK and Skylar Bell, you know, Ben Kenny is like, oh, Chimri DK might be the most talented receiver <laughs> since Quintez Cephas, and it's like, well, Kendrick Pryor was a pretty darn good athlete, yeah, and he was really explosive when giving opportunities. You know, sometimes if you throw the ball 15 yards away from where the route was supposed to end, yeah. yeah tough to catch it well yeah but, then they well, then they, they don't exactly it. look like top of the big 10 wide receivers back about john i gotta go i appreciate the call it's nice to catch up with you yeah we'll talk soon see ya have a great i love how ben kenny got mentioned ben kenny's the resident jack cohen stan what if this whole receiving core just goes and does great in the nfl's rookies we're gonna have to relitigate the last couple of years i'm not sure i'm prepared to do that i'll probably leave that for kenny and heilprin that can be theirs on thursday night let's take a break more of the wisco sports show talking more packers coming up next 
This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Talking about the Packers and the preseason opener on Friday. Some things that go along with that preseason opener. Mostly Jordan Love. He had three picks and the numbers weren't great, but as has kind of become customary every time Jordan Love plays, well, the numbers don't tell the whole story. You know, the stats don't really explain what happened, which I guess is true to a degree. I said about 15 minutes ago that Packers fans, I think we just stink at understanding interceptions because we're so used to Aaron Rodgers who never throws them. So now when we got to watch a quarterback that has three picks in a game, our brain breaks trying to understand what those interceptions mean and how to feel about it. Eric and Madison texted in 608-796-2558. He says, you'd think the Packers fans wouldn't care that much about interceptions. Favre didn't retire that long ago. Okay, so that's another good point, Eric. Think of how Packers fans' brains have been wired the last, going on 30 years. We watched Favre, who did nothing but throw picks. And we've been watching Rodgers, who never throws picks. Like, imagine you spend 15 years, you get drunk every night. And then for the next 15 years of your life, you don't drink at all. And then you go to the bar at the end of this 30-year stretch and someone hands you a beer. You're like, I have mixed feelings about how to handle this. You know what I mean? Like, we were so saturated and so just beat over the head with interceptions for years, for better or for worse. I think as time goes on, we're learning not all picks are bad. Some aggression is good. But we, had, we saw nothing but interceptions with Favre. And now for the last 15 years, we saw no interceptions at all. And I just think it makes it difficult to process when we watch Jordan Love. We don't know what to do with him. Let's go to the phones. Thank you for the text, Eric. 608-796-2558. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Hello? Hey, is it me? Possibly? It is you. Yeah, who am I talking to? I'm um, sorry. My name is Tamarcus. Oh, I got you, Tamarcus. What's going on? Where was Wisconsin? Hey, Where was Wisconsin? Uh, I was... Where's that? Eau Claire. Oh, I love that. In Eau Claire. How's it going, Tamarcus? I'm not bad. First off, bro, I'm not going to be the first person to tell you this, but I am honestly glad that you're back because I work all day, I drive all day, so I'm listening sometimes from 4 in the morning until, I don't know, 6, 7 at night when I get off of work. So yeah. I hear you on other I hear you on other shows, and I'm just glad you're back on your own show because you don't bring the same energy when you're on other people's shows. And to me, I'm sad sometimes because I like your sarcasm. And so anyway, so I... Oh, okay. I appreciate <laughs> I that. I just thing. wanted to. I was gonna. You're welcome, man. I was trying to call Bill Michaels earlier and ask him this question, but I don't think they wanted to hear me because they only had five minutes left. But anyways, I just, I just have a few questions for you. They may be irrelevant. I just want to know how you know what I mean. Sport, sport, uh, sport hosts like you feel about what I felt. So, um, during the off season before this year's season started again, I was telling a few people that I feel like, uh. Is his name Mike Huntley or Tyler Huntley? I could have sworn it was Mike Huntley, the backup for the Ravens. Backup oh, QB, oh QB, so, but. yeah, Tyler Huntley on the Ravens. Mike White is on the Jets. I don't know why, but sometimes I get him confused. Okay. Yeah, similar. Okay, so, but uh, do you feel like maybe we should have tried trading? Because, I mean, it's going to come to a point of time where Rodgers isn't going to be the QB for the Packers anymore. Do you think we should have done more as a Packers organization? Mike Budakens trying to trade possibly either 
Jordan Love and a few, I think we had, what, two first-round picks this year. Mm-hmm. Jordan Love and two first-round picks and maybe a second-round pick for the backup QB because I feel like if we had somebody that is like Tyler Huntley, then maybe we could pop. I wouldn't be sitting here as a Packer fan worrying about our backup QB. Or do you think that we should have, since Devontae Adams didn't want to play for us anymore, should we have tried trading Devontae Adams in a few first-round picks maybe? Mm. For my, uh, Tyler Huntley, because I really like him as a QB, and I feel like he could really do something over here with the uh, Packers. What do you What do you think? So I I don't think it'd take that much. Uh, the Ravens are an interesting scenario because the Ravens have constructed this team for Lamar Jackson, right? Like they've built everything around him to be perfect for him, and Tyler Huntley as the backup is like he's like Lamar Jackson light, right? He's not as good. He was undrafted. Like Lamar Jackson won the Heisman. He was a first round pick. But they kind of right. created the system for Lamar Jackson. Then Tyler Huntley can be the guy to step in and kind of do some of the same things. Now, I don't know if Tyler Huntley couldn't also do some of those things on other teams, but I don't know if other situations are going to be as good for him. I also think Packers fans, we just have this thing with Tyler Huntley because he played really well against us late in the season last year when the Packers went to Baltimore. I, man, it's right. weird. I don't, I, I don't worry about any, ever since they drafted Jordan Love, I don't even worry about backup quarterback. I feel like we went years talking about how we need to get a veteran. And, and then they drafted Love and we got so fatigued with the, the drama that kind of came with it that I just haven't thought about backup quarterback. But I, I think Tyler Huntley was a specific guy who they targeted out of college to come in and be their specific backup. I think a lot of teams would be smart to do what the Ravens did in finding a guy like that, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. I do. I, I do know what you mean. I just, I don't know. I think I like the way he plays because when he was playing that one game against the Packers, I legitimately thought that was Lamar Jackson out there because yeah. they look the same. You know what I mean? The only difference is, is their number. Also, uh, I don't know how many questions I can ask you. Last guy was on for 10 minutes, which is hopefully I can get to <laughs> yeah, we, can do a couple more. we can do a couple uh, more minutes. That's fine. <laughs> um, I really didn't watch most of Friday's game, but honest opinion, no matter who we put in, first, second, third, or fourth string, I don't think we're ever going to beat the 49ers. Like, I think, I oh think, since, <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, so you know what I wrote down today, Demarcus? I, so I was talking about Friday night's game, and I wrote down, it's somewhere in here on one of my post-it notes or something, I watch Trey Lance, and I just think, I don't even know if this guy's good, but I know he's going to beat our ass. Like, this this dude is going to own the Packers. For some reason, If he's a, he could be a garbage quarterback, but I know when he plays the Packers and the Packers play against Trey Lance, he's going to smoke us. I don't really know why, but I just watch him and I think, oh, God. So, I, I feel you. The 49ers just give me a headache. So, do you think it's possibly, I, I don't necessarily believe in curse. I just don't know which other words to use, but do you think it's possibly a curse of, Back, what was it, 2005? Maybe I don't remember. I forgot the year that Rodgers was drafted. But yeah. do you think ever since the 49ers told him they were going to draft him and then they didn't draft him and then now it's like we just can't ever beat them? Do you think Do you think Rodgers is like, <laughs> I don't know, what do, you, what do you possibly think is going on on why we can never beat the 49ers? Do you think it has something to do with them telling Rodgers we were gonna, he was gonna, they were going to draft him and then they never drafted him and now we just can never beat them or – so I, I think I have a good answer for this. Know. Before I talk about it, because I want to talk about it for a while, I'm going to let you go to Marcus. Call back sometime. This is good. It was nice to hear from you. Please call back. Make a regular thing. <laughs> I will. Trust me. Get get an earlier showtime, please. Oh, I'll figure that out. Yeah, that'll, I can I can handle that. A lot of people want to get rid of Jim Rowe, they always tell me. So maybe we can work on that. Thanks to Marcus for the call. The Niners, okay, so this is such an interesting comp. The Niners are like the anti-Packers from the last 10 years. 
Think of how many times the Niners went for it and then tore it back down and then went for it and tore it back down. So if you looked at the Packers and the Niners as a line graph for the last 10 years, ever since the Packers won a Super Bowl, the Niners are going up, down, up, down, up, down. But the Niners' peaks at the top are a little bit higher than where the Packers have basically just flatlined. The Packers have sustained success. They are very similar to what the Brewers are doing. They're trying to be very good every year, but never too good as to jeopardize the next year and the year after. And when you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, it's not the worst strategy in the world. The Niners have never had a quarterback like that. So what they do is they go all in to try to win. And then they, they've made a couple of Super Bowls and then it comes all the way back down and then they build it back up and then it comes all the way back down. So the Niners and the Packers from a team building perspective are polar opposites. The Packers are trying to flatline and stay consistent and the Niners are trying to pick their spots, go for it when they think it's their time and rebuild when they think it's not. And the injuries have worked out in such a way that's allowed them to really maximize those valleys. They're not bottoming out at the eighth overall pick. They're bottoming out by getting Nick Bosa because the rest of their team just happened to get injured when they were already kind of planning on bottoming out, right? I don't know what the curse is. I don't think it's Aaron Rodgers. Why do we get the curse? If the Niners told the Aaron Rodgers they were going to draft them, why do we get stuck with the curse? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not cool with that. I, I need some higher power to explain that to me because that doesn't seem fair. If there's a team that should be cursed, it's the Niners. For as many times as the Niners beat the Packers, they still haven't won a Super Bowl, and the Packers have. But I think the case study, you could write a book comparing the team-building strategies of the last decade, the Niners who've had many coaches, many GMs, the Packers have been much more consistent. They've flatlined in the Niners, up, down, up, down. Instead of the Packers, one Super Bowl at the end of the at the end of the uh, what's the at the end of the day, as Giannis always says, at the end of the day, Packers have one Super Bowl, Niners have none. But the Niners certainly have peaked and gotten there more times than the Packers have. So it's a fascinating comparison of those two teams. I appreciate you bringing that up to Marcus. That's a good point. Let's take a break. Come back in three minutes. I'm thinking Packers the rest of the show. If you want to call in and give your two cents on the Brewers, we can chat about it. But I'm thinking Packers a lot this week. And we'll watch what the Brewers and the Dodgers do in the background. And if something crazy happens, we'll carve out time this week to talk about it. Other than that, though, it's a lot of Packers. We have first preseason game in the books. We got another one this week. Guys coming off the PUP. A lot to talk about. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports show. I got some Aaron Rodgers clips I want to play you. Help us better understand the preseason and how it works. And most importantly, how we should watch the preseason. Like, I'd love to sit down with a former NFL player and have them explain to me how the preseason works. Give me a roadmap to understanding the preseason, what I should care about, what I shouldn't. So we're talking Packers, and we probably will for most of the rest of the show. Uh, The Brewers start a series with the Dodgers tonight. I think seven of their next ten are against the Dodgers, so a tough stretch. It was just announced Walker Buehler's having season-ending arm surgery. So the best team in the NL, at least in my opinion, losing one of their huge pieces. And the Brewers, by contrast, wow, look out, actually gaining a huge piece, a superstar. Uh, Trevor Rosenthal is beginning a rehab assignment tomorrow, so woohoo! Look out! Uh, Walker Buehler's down, and the Brewers just getting a huge shot in the arm from a pitcher who hasn't pitched in two years. Probably be a big contributor, though. Yeah. Probably, uh, along with Matt Bush, who I'm pretty sure the entire state of Wisconsin is struggling with right now because I think everyone wants to call him Dave Bush. I, 
I, I saw my dad on Saturday, and we were watching the end of the game, and he goes, I, I want to call him Dave Bush, which is the same conversation I had with one of my buddies like a day earlier. This is a big Dave Bush show. If you've listened to the show for any length of time and you've listened to our Brewers conversations, you know I love referencing Dave Bush any chance I get. Uh, but Matt Bush, actually okay this weekend. Taylor Rogers, not so much. Uh, but Trevor Rosenthal's coming, guys. Help on the way. Uh, by the Grateful Dead. Good song and the case for the Brewers. <laughs> Trevor Rosenthal. There's this clip Adam McCalvey posted on Twitter 20 minutes ago of Craig Council describing the Brewers' plan for Trevor Rosenthal. I can't wait to listen to this over the next commercial break. I will be made such a smarter Brewers fan, I'm sure, by, by hearing it. Earlier, right before Vagabond John called about a half hour ago, we were listening to some Aaron Rodgers sound bites, and he was asked what Jordan Love's goal should be in a preseason game. This is his answer. That's, yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, I think uh, the scrutinizers want to see movement and points and, and scoring drives for sure. I believe the coaches would want to see uh, perfection in execution. Perfection in execution. And that comes from a mastery of the system. And I think that's the most important thing. So sometimes we get caught up in, you know, big plays or points on a drive. Those are great and those feel good. But the most important thing is, are you making the right can? You're making the right check. You're making the right adjustment. You're getting us in and out of the huddle, commanding the operation. Um, because preseason football is different. You know, you're out there a lot of times with young guys. You're over, you need to over-communicate. Some wild stuff happens. Some guys miss blocks. Some guys run the wrong way. Obviously, there's, there's an art to making that work. But the most important thing is a mastery of the position because that, that shows the coaches and, and your guys that, that you're, uh, you, you know, you're ready to go. Um, again, practice is very important, and you need to show a mastery in practice as well. The games... There's some survival to it. Obviously, you want to score points, but I think it still comes down to to are you showing the staff that you have the mastery of all things quarterback? See, that's what I'm looking for. That's a little explanation. That helps me be a better watcher of football during the preseason. Let's take a two-minute break. Wisco Sports Show back after this. season doesn't stop and we got uh, a tall test ahead of us this week there's a ton of games left and a ton of baseball left so um you know today was disappointing but gotta get right back at it tomorrow this is where wisconsin gathers to talk sports packers brewers badgers bucks the wisco sports show is on the air now here's your host grant bills Got a tweet right here from our guy, Rory, at Wisco Grant on Twitter. He says, rumor has it the NBA regular season schedule will be released sometime this week. Will you have a full breakdown of the Bucks schedule when it comes out? Oh, Rory. First of all, historically, this is the week that it comes out. We got Christmas a couple of days ago. Uh, yeah, we're going to win last the whole thing. We're going to go through the whole schedule, all the Bucks games, and we're going to pick them all, just like we would do with a football schedule. Uh, speaking of schedules... <laughs> Major League Baseball just makes me laugh. They put out their postseason schedule today. And, like, that's cool. It's just kind of funny. <laughs> like, NBA putting out the Christmas Day schedule. Okay, cool. Celtics, Bucks, Lakers, Mavs, or, or whatever. I can't remember them off the top of my head. That's great. That's something tangible. The MLB account just tweeted out game one of the World Series. 
Friday, October 28th. Oh, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Write that down. Oh, God, there's a Monday game on on Halloween. That actually sucks. Game three's on Halloween. Just think of the parents. Got to take their kids trick-or-treating. It's a bummer. Or, like, if you're me, I just try to wear a costume and dress up and look little so I can go get as much free candy as possible. Yeah, NBA schedule should be out this week. Probably won't talk about it much. Maybe look at some interesting games. But we already know Christmas. What else do we really need to know right now? Same with Major League Baseball. I don't need to know when day one of the World Series starts. This league is so obsessed with the postseason and only the postseason because that's the only time they can make any national money. And it's just, it's, I don't like it. I don't like the vibe. It seems lame. Oh, good, but we have the schedule. Let me import it to my calendar. Thank you, Major League Baseball. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. We're talking Packers. We have uh, Packers 49ers. Wow, what a treasure trove of content Friday's game was. Danny Etling, quarterback two, huh? Question mark? I want to talk about that. Not really, but I do want to talk about some Packer-related topics, and I'd love to have you be a part of that if you'd like. 608-796-2558. Give me a text or a call. Daryl is here. Daryl, been a minute. How's it going? Well, first of all, I wanted to ask you one question. Mm-hmm. Okay? Go ahead. All right. Did you did you run into Marie Osmond and Dan Seals up in Montana? <laughs> first, okay, Daryl. Oh, yeah, you know me. Fantastic song, by the way. Love that song. So great! Record. I think it should be the state song. I think it should be the state song for Montana. That's what I'm going to tell you. I think it should be the state song for all of the states because I love that song, Dan Seals. Yes, absolutely. Okay, I just wanted to throw that in there just to start. Okay, <laughs> I hope you had a good time when you were up there. I appreciate that. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, um, Ben was Ben was fine as far as it goes. Once I finally got the phone number and everything else figured out, and the uh, the bit with. Uh, uh, where we can text you as far as it goes. Yeah. Uh, we weren't able to text him as far as it goes, throwing some stuff back. Um, so that part, that part was the only lame part of it. His show us. He was decent, but that was the part of the lame show that we couldn't do. Yeah. Um, so now I'm going to get into what I really wanted to say is first of all, uh, two, two things. Number one, the brewers are toast. I don't see him. I don't see it happening. Ben, Ben was trying to be a little more defensive of the Brewers in the senses, but it's, I, I figured this weekend was going to tell me a number of things. There was still a number of uh, defensive flaws as far as it goes. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying the Brewers are toast. They're done. I don't even want, uh, I'll, I'll watch them only because I need some humor. All right. Um, That's, fair. That's fair. Okay. Now the Packers are another matter. Okay. I saw a number of things I saw during during that game, and number one of them was, of course, the the field goal. The field goal was completely the fault of the kicker. Mm-hmm. The snap was perfect. The hold was hold was as good as it's going to get, and he just botched the kick. So anybody who who, who um, doesn't analyze it as far as everything goes, yeah, they saw that thirty two yard field goal just go awol, but the kicker was completely at fault. Um, it, as far as it goes, otherwise, I saw a number of things both on the offensive line that uh, uh, I'm just not I'm not confident in the offensive line yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Jake Hansen being one of them, as far as it goes, I'm just not confident in him. And nor am I uh, the, the ex Badger Cole, whatever his name is. I Cole I, I didn't I didn't yeah. see. Yeah, I, I'm not confident in him either. Um, I could see Tom has a future. Yeah. In the offensive line. Oh yeah. Okay. And I, and um, as far as it goes, I thought early on in the game, I thought they played well. 
as far as it goes. I actually I think, thought that... Daryl, just one thing. I think they're really I, good at coaching up offensive line, and Elton Jenkins came off the PUP. If you can get Jenkins back, and even if he's the only lineman out there you can trust, I think that makes such a huge difference because they can coach everyone else up, and if you can put Jenkins, say, at right tackle and make everything else work, just have That's him. where they're practicing at. Yep, such a big difference. That's, just that's having where him. they were practicing. Yeah. So I... I, I I, I think, at, you know, just that par- parallel as far as it goes, uh, I, that makes Newman shift in. It makes a few few other players shift where they're going to go as far as for the openers, as far as it go down the line. Yes, that's where they, they need as their number one unit. I think they're, they're the number one unit, I think, this practicing this week against the Saints, who used to be in lacrosse, by the way. Mm. I, I remember when they were practicing, practicing at UWL, and I would have always loved to have had these – uh, practices uh, like they're having this week with the other team. I would love to have had the Packers come in to, to lacrosse at one time or uh, them going over to uh, uh, Green Bay. That would have been that would have been worth my travel time as far as yeah. it goes. Uh, so I'm just saying, you know, this this is this is one phase I want to uh, ask or talk about. Mm-hmm. But I think the other thing that I'm really noticing as far as it goes is I think the defense is going to be there once the number ones are out there more than the twos are still a bit, uh, uh, I'm going to say sketchy or, um, uh, I think they're still trying to figure their assignments out better than they have. And now the one caller you mentioned earlier, who was worried about the Packers and the 49ers as far as what, what kind of jinx as far as it goes. Yeah. Do you think there's a curse? We need your take on that before I let you go. All right. You are. I'm glad you said that because it to me it to me it goes back to the George Seifert time oh. when we got when we go back to getting Mike you know getting our head coach from the first place from there oh, McCarthy we got once yeah oh. no not McCarthy before then but before McCarthy then too oh I didn't even think about that I say but if you think about it okay we got the we, we got that kind of curse from that from that tree as far as that part of it goes because there's they were so dominant on the on the West Coast offense, as far as it goes. Mm-hmm. Now we got the curse. Now our, our present curse is because Kyle Shanahan is the coach of the 40, 49ers. and who did he coach before? Who was one of his assistants? Wait, who did she, who was one of? Who was one of Shanahan's assistants? Which Shanahan? Who was one? Of, Kyle Shanahan, the one that's coaching now for the 49ers. Yes, yes. Which? Okay, who is our head coach? Uh, Matt LaFleur. Yep, they coach together. They coach together. So do you think that uh, Shanahan doesn't have at least an inkling of an idea what what's going on here? Mm, I mean, maybe. I, 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 it, it, to, me it's, to me, it's just looking like what happens is that uh, the, the ones that have coached before yep. and the, the part of the tree that we get, we they, get a, they find that little extra wrinkle because they wanted to trick their own, their own buddy. I mean, that that could be it. I didn't think about the LaFleur-Shanahan stuff. I didn't think we were going to talk about a 49ers-Packers curse tonight. Daryl, I appreciate the call. So could could the Packers be cursed against the 49ers only because they robbed such a young, promising offensive mind from the Niners in Mike McCarthy? I'm not saying that, that they are cursed. I'm also not saying they're not. We have no way of knowing. Maybe once upon a time, Matt LaFleur saw or or got seen naked by Kyle Shanahan. Have you ever seen that episode of Workaholics and it throws the balance all off? Maybe, maybe there's something that happened between those two that just gives Shanahan 
this power dynamic, this upper hand, although they beat him in the regular season last year. I don't know, but it's with different quarterbacks. Like, it's been with Jimmy G, and they've passed the ball, thrown the ball. I mean, they lost to the damn 49ers last year when the Niners didn't score an offensive touchdown. Maybe there is a curse. Maybe we need to do some research into this. I don't know. Maybe I'll take it to our crack squad, our brain trust tomorrow when I talk to Ebo and his his crew on over the line on our Madison affiliate, The Zone, tomorrow morning. Maybe I'll maybe I'll pass this topic along to them. They can probably dig deep. Ebo's a good conspiracy theory guy. Curse, supernatural forces. Uh, he gave us a good psychedelic breakdown uh, last time I talked to him when I was doing the show with him from the golf outing. That is when we didn't have technical difficulties, which I know was at the beginning of the show. Got a lot of texts and tweets during that. Thank you, by the way. I'm glad to know that people are <laughs> people are listening. Uh, we can talk more about the Niners curse. Uh, I, I just I I need to think on that. I need to ponder more. Maybe need to do some psychedelics to really get to the bottom of it. 608-796-2558. Let's talk to one of the listeners of our Madison Affiliate The Zone. That is David Monona. Dave, hello. How are you? You're back from Montana, huh? Yes. Yes, I am. I, I suppose you were catching fish again and throwing them back. The only guy I know that catches fish and throws them back. How, I mean, how ridiculous is there's that? A ter- there's a term for it. It's catch and release. A lot yeah, of people do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's called stupid. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's called. Yeah, you go all that work to catch a, ni- a nice trout on an open fire, man, crackling with some beer and so. Oh my! But well, here's Grant. Ooh, nice fish. My bye fish. You're throwing <laughs> you back, but the, 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 we, had the, we had the cold beers. We had that part of it. We just didn't cook any of the fish. Oh my! It's like the guy goes out, picks up, picks up the hot chick, gets her halfway home, and goes, "Nope, sending you back." Go home. Don't that's, need you. That's not the same at all, but I see I see the analogy. I, I see you, Dave. Well, what, what what prompted this call? Was it something about the Niners curse, the Packers preseason, Jordan Love? What's no, been I mean, in uh, your mind in the last week? It's been a while since we've chatted. Oh, I didn't, by the way, I didn't call Ben because I don't give Ben the time of day. He's a clown. So, <laughs> hey, uh, before my comment, I, I like the Madison um, uh, location. The, the Zach got the Zach update at 5 o'clock. It was from Friday. <laughs> Wait, really? I th- yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. But, no, as far as Friday's game, you know, Love, you can't blame the first two interceptions. It's not his fault Tyler Davis played like a boo ball game. That guy made multiple <laughs> mistakes. And then Romeo Dobbs had the ball taken away from him. I mean, those aren't, you know, those aren't love problems. The last one, yeah, you can hear Larry McCarron you know, talking about, yeah, that was his problem. That was his problem last year, throwing in double coverage down in the red zone. Now, can you? People thought last Friday the game was boring. Wait till this Friday; it's going to be horrible because they're playing what New Orleans back-to-back days of practice, and then you're playing in a game. Fans, it's don't don't waste your time after the first quarter because it's going to get bad. Could it could it get chippy? They're banging up on each other all week and practicing, and maybe get maybe gets a little chippy. They get a little sick of each other. Yeah, but boy, it's going to be. I mean, I love. I mean, I wouldn't put put too much faith in how anybody does Friday because of the fact that they played multiple practices, you know, against them. But hey, I have the Brewer solution. I I actually ran. I actually told Nelson and the other guy who pretends to be a talk show host how the Brewers can solve their bullpen. You, you, you just do you, you do a reverse game. I mean, I, I know some teams did this last year. You bring in your top three pitchers in the first, second, and third inning. If you're only going to if you're only going to pitch your starters five innings and they give you five good great innings, well then pitch them in the fourth through the ninth. 
and, and just reverse the game. Put your, you know, put your, reverse, you know, Williams and Rogers and uh, Bush one, two, three, and just reverse it. That's so all you got to do. I, I, I have a question for you. You're you're critical of the younger generations. What do you think of the Brewers pulling Aaron Ashby after six innings, seventy nine pitches yesterday? Normally, I'm okay with a quick hook, but I didn't like it. That's what see, but that's that's history with uh, Clownsville. He does this. I mean, the team is—it's not going to change, and that's why I, I've always been a big um, proponent of if you're going to do that. And these stars are pitching five, six great innings, mm-hmm. and you're only going to give up one to two runs. Then, then guess what? Reverse split it. I can't remember who did that. It's, all day I kept trying to think of which manager did that, and it was successful when they did the reverse split. It might have been a Cub. It might have been a Cub guy in 2016. Of course, that's why they won in 2016. <laughs> great thinking, but you know what I mean. I mean, great, great ideas like that, but you're not going to see it. Yeah, hey, the next ten games for Milwaukee, man. You got the Dodgers seven games, the Cubs three games, and then the Cubs come to uh, Miller Park, where Grant's going to bring his girlfriend to meet the Wizard from behind the curtain. Oh yeah, that's right. That is when is that? What day is that? Twenty <laughs> eighth. I, I I know how excited you are. You you just you just you just couldn't remember the date. Is that the twenty eighth? Yeah, of course. Okay, I, that, that should be. I, I mean, that should be etched in your brain. Well, it's etched in my calendar because I'm an organized man, but I don't have my calendar in front of me. Yeah, Sunday the 28th. Perfect. Easy. And by the way, guys, I, Grant's the only guy I know. I have, to, I have to pick up PBR. I mean, who the hell drinks PBR? Well, actually, where the hell do you find PBR? Dave, first of all, you can't see. If I took you into a store right now, you wouldn't know what's on the shelves. So, first of all, I'll say that. PB, Pabst Blue Ribbon, how do you think they got a Blue Ribbon? How do you think the beer got a Blue Ribbon? They won an award that his, yeah, that back his, in, in 1930 and 1910. Yeah, history. History, Dave. That's history. Oh, so history counts. So when I tell you the, the Cubs won in 2016, that doesn't matter. I don't say that that doesn't. I don't say that doesn't matter. I, I kiss the I ring. I, I give the Cubs their credit for 2016. And for the Brewers, I, I, I have no retort to that. Because the Packers fans, you know this, Dave. We love to throw it in Vikings fans' face. You no rings, no rings, no rings. Well, Cubs fans can do that to us. All right, that's how it works. That's yep. the rules. So I'm, I'm with you there. Don't get the slam. Sad. I mean, even I'm listening to Brewers because selfishly, we have you know, we have our season tickets for the Brewers in the playoffs. So I'm selfishly pulling for the Brewers. I'll say the Cubs are going to bet with Nelson because that'll make our tickets more uh, more affordable and, and more customers are going to want them. So, but yeah, it's, but anyway. I had to give you a holler back. I mean, welcome. I say welcome back, but uh, it took me a week to recuperate from you driving me around. Oh, my God. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry I took the time to drive to your side of the state to drive you around for a day and wait on your hand and foot. I appreciate it. I know, I know that's your way of saying thank you, and Dave, I love you. I'm going to let you go. Bye, man. Have a good one. He almost said goodbye. <laughs> we have a text here. Andrew in Auburn, up north, New Auburn. Says, Dave is the kind of guy who asks what happened to all the walleyes in the nearby lake well out of Friday fish fry. Yeah. You think these fisheries just stay stocked and healthy when guys are going in there and pulling out a basket of fish every day? That's not how that works. You got you to gotta, you gotta preserve and conserve, conservation. Jeez. Humans these days. It's this generation. That's the problem. 
didn't Mariucci have t- oh okay so didn't Steve Mariucci have ties with Holmgren maybe this thing goes way back I mean between getting whooped up on by Mostert and then losing without giving up an offensive touchdown how else do you explain it yeah there's there's some forces at work I'll think on this I'll ponder and maybe we can go back through the annals of history and find uh <laughs> find where this thing went sideways between the Packers and the Niners. Let's talk more Packers. I have some preseason stuff I want to talk about. And, wow, a real treat for you guys. I went and listened to the Aaron Rodgers Aubrey Marcus podcast where they talked about doing drugs, among other things. And I saved one soundbite. That's it. I can play that for you. And I actually listened to a podcast. uh, Two of my favorite sports talkers did a reaction podcast to the podcast. And now on this show, I'm going to react to the reaction that it was also a reaction. It's very meta what we're doing here. Uh, let's take a break. I need to figure out exactly how that's all going to work. That's coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show my name is grant bills i hope your week is off to an excellent start hope you've had a great day so far if you want to join me to talk packers give me a call or shoot me a text 608-796-2558 got a text here from i'm not sure this is nice call back to the cheese league with the saints shout out i miss when the jaguars were in stevens point the chiefs in river falls and the bears in platteville for their training camp bring that back damn right damn right Appreciate that. Yeah, the Saints used to play. I feel like a lot of people don't know that that used to be a thing. Go read about it. It's pretty wild. I heard Zobin giving the morning show a history lesson this morning on some college football rivalry. I don't know. I had just woken up. Probably 10% of it actually went into my brain. I was a little sleepy this morning. I stayed up too late last night watching Packers highlights, which led me to draw a conclusion that I want to talk about uh, right now. You can text and call me, like I said. Mike from Chippewa Falls is done. He says, nothing wrong with catch and release. Dave probably hunts and follows the kill and release program. <laughs> That's funny. Thanks for the text. Yeah, text or call me if you want to talk Packers. I'm on Twitter as well. At Wisco Grant. I was uh, I was up later than I should have been last night. You ever do this where you actually set your night up perfectly? You're like, I'm going to get in bed by XYZ time. And you're looking at the clock, you're like, oh, this is going to be easy. And then the night gets away from you, and all of a sudden you're watching videos on your phone, and it's like 1230, and you're wondering where everything went wrong. That was me last night. And I was was watching Packers highlights from last year, and I stumbled upon the second Bears game, which was on December 12th. I don't know what week it would have been, but it was, I think, post-week 12, somewhere in there. Before that two-week run against the Browns and the Ravens, because that was around Christmas, it was right before then. And I, I was watching highlights of this game and thinking, this team is so good. Great offense. Everything's clicking. This defense was just, it, it was convalescing at the right time. Like, Devondre Campbell was playing great. Rasul Douglas had a pick six in this game against Chicago. Everything was going well, and everyone was playing really well. And I was floored by how bad the special teams were in this game. And I remember watching it and thinking, oh, my God. This was maybe one of the worst special teams games I ever saw. It's hard to mess up that many different things, special teams-wise, in one game. I think we underrate how bad the special teams were last year. I think, looking back, we, like, neuter how bad they were just to make it easier to accept in our brain. I, can't, I cannot fathom how bad it was. So there were four things that happened in this game. 
we had the punt return for a touchdown. Remember this? Jakeem Grant. Backs up. Fields from the four. Can he find room? Down the left side he goes. Grant, look at him go. Again down the sideline. Does he stay in bounds all the way? He will. 97 yards for a touchdown. So that triggered me. I was upset. Then they gave off right before half, which led to three points, about a 45-yard kickoff return. Herbert, the little Herbert. Up the middle, he comes. And Herbert down the right sideline. So Khalil Herbert, that led to three points. Then a buff punt, Amari Rodgers. Amari Rodgers, flag is down. And he loses it. And going to the end, it's a mock do it. And that, no, you can't advance it. Damian Williams is there. And also a flag came in, as we mentioned, as the ball was in the air. So you got all kinds of things going on. And then they failed to recover an onside kick. Remember this one? Bouncing ball. And who's, who's got it? Khalil Herbert. All the way to the end zone, but they're waving it. Dead back at the 46. So you can't advance a muff punt for a touchdown, and you can't advance an onside kick for a touchdown. But if you could, the Bears would have done both. Like the Packers were failing in ways not legally allowed in the rule book. They're like, well, you can't give up a touchdown on an onside kick, but if you could, we would have done that and given up one on a muff punt too. I cannot believe how bad the special teams were last year. And last night, as I'm going on this YouTube binge watching Packer highlights, it became really clear. So Rich Passacci is a special teams coordinator now, and we've talked about him. And I'm sure he'll come up when we talk with Mike Clemens tomorrow or Thursday. He'll join us from Green Bay. We'll talk about what's going on in training camp and uh, obviously what happened in the preseason game on Friday. And we can talk about all these details. Rich Passaccia also just went on Pardon My Take, which is a good podcast. I'm probably going to listen to that tomorrow morning, I'm thinking. So maybe he says something interesting enough, I'll cut it, and we can listen to it on the show. If they just get borderline competent special teams, I love this Packers team. And I feel a little dirty and guilty admitting that. All the preseason hype aside, I love this team's chances. As we've talked about through the offseason, I love that they're not at the front of everyone's mind for Super Bowl contention. So we think of the Bills, the Chiefs, think of the Rams, Buccaneers. Um, there's a team I'm forgetting. There's a big one I'm forgetting, but that's fine. There's lots of teams that you think of first, and opinions vary on the Chargers and the Broncos. Those two are kind of in this bucket. It kind of just depends how you feel about Brandon Staley and the Chargers. Depends on how you feel about Russell Wilson. I don't need to share with you my thoughts on Russell Wilson. The point is the Packers aren't one of the first probably three teams that you mention if you were to talk about Super Bowl contenders. They'd probably a little bit farther down. I love that, and I love the way that this roster looks. You got three blue-chip defensive prospects the last two years in the first round from Georgia. Probably one of the greatest defenses we're ever going to see in college. Probably one of the greatest collection of talent we'll ever see in sports. You can't you can't amass that much talent in the NFL. In college, you can, right? I mean, it's just ridiculous. They don't really have a weak spot on defense. The weakest spot they probably have is edge rusher depth. Maybe you can find a guy midseason to come in. Maybe you can get some guy who gets released. You never know. You can trade for somebody. Weirder things have happened. I mean, Josh Hader got traded, for God's sake. Who's to say Goody won't make a trade for a nice rotational pass rusher? Who knows? And the offense, I know it's probably going to look clunky at times, and it will certainly be different and not as pretty and crisp and clean without Devontae Adams. But they weren't getting over the hump with him. I really like this team, and I love the mindset of Aaron Rodgers from everything that I've heard. And he's been doing podcasts. He did Aubrey Marcus's pod, and I have some sound bites from that that I can play you coming up next. 
he did Pardon My Take, which I haven't listened to. I feel like I probably should, but I don't know. I, I can't do every podcast that Rogers does. I, I just, I don't have that much time in the day. <laughs> probably. I think at one point, uh, Big Cat explained to him how the Packers playoff loss is one of his favorite days of the year. Yeah, uh, I wish I could tell Rogers that it's probably the most miserable day of the year, which means I have a pretty good life, to add some perspective. But I love how Rogers is wired. He's seemingly made some changes in thinking, I got to do this differently and do this better and change up this because I want to win and what we're doing isn't working, to which I would say, hello, of course. Could we not have done this five years ago? But I'll take it in 2022. I love everything about this team. I love it which is a far cry from where I was in January, where I, you know, I might have been okay if they would have traded Rodgers after that postseason game, and I really wasn't a fan of the $50 million contract, although it was a team-friendly, 50, $50 million, team-friendly, of course, team-friendly, reportedly, reportedly, categorically false, it was $50 million. It was more like 49.8, but categorically false, of course. <laughs> I love everything about this team, and last night as I'm watching highlights, I'm thinking, man, the 2021 Packers were elite team was unbelievable and if the special teams just doesn't poop their pants in January maybe they advance and they get into the NFC title game and then they get hot and then they have a good offensive game or maybe they would have fallen flat on their face Preston told us they probably would have because they had done so four times in seven years but you know what sign me up I'm back let's get back to the NFC championship game Colt Michael Scott what did he say no doubt about it I'm ready to be hurt again I'm ready to be hurt again. Give me back to the NFC Championship game. I crave it. I'm excited to listen to this interview. Rich Passaccio and I'm part of my take. It's grit week. Uh, we have Neil Diamond week. Part of my take has grit week. I see them. That's, that's great. It's no deal Diamond week, but what is? So I'm excited to hear that interview with Rich Passaccio and see the difference that he makes. Some better energy, some better juice, hopefully just a shakeup. I think this team needs a shakeup. Feels like we've been stuck in the same gear for the last three or four seasons now. 608-796-2558. I'm on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Let's take a break. I have some Aaron Rodgers sound bites that I'd love to play for you. Coming up next, it's the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. My name is Grant Bills. Appreciate you being here. Glad to be back after a week off. The illustrious Ben Kenny, uh, generous enough to fill in. I mean that. I really appreciate Ben. So if you talked to Ben this week, tell him thank you. I'm really amped to talk to Evo tomorrow morning on Over the Line. I'm psyched. Because uh, I just feel like we have a ton to talk about. I went to a bunch of concerts while I was on vacation last week, and I want to talk about them with Evo. And Aaron Rodgers did a podcast talking about drugs. I want to talk about that with Ebo. I just a lot that I want to talk about with Ebo and Rowdy tomorrow morning. Very much looking forward to that. Right now we're talking Packers. Good first preseason game under our belt. That was Friday night against the Niners. It was everything you could hope and dream from a preseason game, uh, which is to say not a lot, not much. And Jordan Love was fine to bad, but as it seems with every Jordan Love experience, the numbers don't tell the full story. So he's this one special player where the numbers never really matter. No, he is a unique player. I get it. I'm not saying that Jordan Love is trash. It's just funny because every time I watch Jordan Love, his numbers stink. And then all the Packers fans are like, oh, but the numbers don't tell the whole story. And it's just, it's a very funny dynamic. It's an immovable force 
versus an unstoppable object or whatever the expression is. 608-796-2558. The mayor, appreciate the text, formerly of New Glarus, now in Orfordville. Did I say that correctly? I want to make sure I give your new community its, its due, uh, the, uh, the community that you are the mayor of. Mayor, thank you. You can also find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. So last week I listened to the Aaron Rodgers pod where he uh, talked with Aubrey Marcus. And it was like two and a half hours long. And some of it I found a little weird. Some of it I found very interesting and instructive and to be a good window in Rodgers' mindset over the last couple of years. And I think my favorite part of this Aaron Rodgers podcast in the story that was a lot more than just about doing ayahuasca in the Purdue Mountains uh, and tripping balls on psychedelics, but it was... A journey to find self-love and how to unconditionally love yourself and to be your true self. And I mean, just the way I read it, like 40 to 50% of this podcast, I'm like, I don't even know what you guys are talking about. I think you guys should just kiss or something because it's like, right? It was just two guys going back and forth talking about, I don't know. It was bizarre. I don't want to judge it. Go listen to it. Judge it for yourself. Um, it was kind of a bizarre podcast. My favorite part of this Aaron Rodgers kind of news cycle was listening to other people react to it, right? The day the Aaron Rodgers ayahuasca thing came out, you had like Colin Coward going on his show. It's like, oh, I drank a bunch of rum and Cokes one time and I saw things. It's like, well, pretty sure that's not the same. <laughs> and then I watched Chris Roussard on First Things First, which is the morning after this kind of came out. And he's like, I'll try to do my best Chris Roussard. I was in college once and I, before LeBron James was in the NBA and I... I smoked a joint one time with my roommates and that everyone is real open and that I lost it. I actually had it pretty good at the beginning, but he talked about, oh, I smoked weed once. I was like, well, that's also not really the same as what Aaron Rodgers is talking about, but it's funny to listen to kind of some of these older sports talkers try to make this about them. I'm not going to say I know what smoking I or drinking ayahuasca, or what I think it's a tea, but I can pretend like I know what ayahuasca is like. That was one part of the podcast that was interesting. There were other parts that I found probably more interesting, mostly about Aaron Rodgers talking about self-love and learning to love himself. And I'm like, this is so interesting. Someone who's so good at everything and has a friend group that he loves and seemingly he's got a great life and he's talking about finding unconditional self-love. Here's a little exchange. I cut this minute-long segment out of the podcast earlier today because I wanted to use this as a point of reference. I think this minute... If you only listen to this minute, you kind of get a gist on what they talked about and kind of what they discussed on this podcast, which is like two hours and 40 minutes. There's also another aspect of a sense of injustice that can come even when you know something is like absolutely false. And that, I think, is something even different than self-love because self-knowledge and self-love will protect you from a lot of those things. The doubting of yourself when someone says something that isn't true, that is a lot of the pain. But the other thing is this sense of like, why are you doing this? Like, what is, I, I don't understand. You know, that can be also hard. It can, it can also shape your kind of love for humanity itself to be attacked for no reason. 100%. I think that's the, that's, you, you hit on that. It's the injustice of the false narrative that, that can get to you. And, and as humans, you, I don't think you can ever be 100% immune from criticism or critique kind of entering your heart and soul. But, the ones that that kind of maybe stick with you are the patent lies or falsehoods or narratives about you that just aren't true. So I'm listening to this, and I'm, I'm thinking, Aaron, why do you care? <laughs> why do you care 
what some blogger writes about you, why does that keep you up at night? Why does that press you? Why do you care what a radio host like me or what a writer who covers the team for the athletic, why are you, why are you paying attention? Why are you reading it? Why do you care? As professional athletes, obviously they're scrutinized, and Rodgers especially so. Now, I'd say part of that was self-induced because of everything that he kind of brought up, and he inserted himself into some conversations last year that he didn't really need to, and I think that brought more attention to himself, um, fairly or unfairly. We don't need to get into that. I, I was just, I was so fascinated by this podcast, the way in which two guys who seemingly are doing so well are talking about how they needed to find self-love and they needed to find a way to love themselves because of all the criticism that's levied against them and it started to wear them down. Now, this transparency is great, right? We need to be able to talk about mental health issues and things that stress us out and things that cause us pain in one way or another. But I just find it so bizarre that Rogers cares about all this stuff. And I've talked to a couple of Packers beat reporters and I've had some suspicions and some kind of assumptions about Rogers that have proven to be true. He reads it all. He, re- he reads it all. He sees everything. A random article that someone writes of the Packers beat, he digs in there and he checks everything. He wants to make sure there's nothing, there's no false narratives. There's no, he reads it all. And for the last year or so, I've thought, you know, like Rogers, maybe he'd be better off if, and I mean this as respectfully as possible, maybe he'd be better off if he got a little bit of a life. <laughs> do you have a hobby? Do you have something that you can do when you're done with football practice that keeps you from sitting on your phone and reading every single word that every random person writes about you? You know what I mean? And I know he's not married. He doesn't have kids. I, I think a year or so ago, I don't know if this was in a conversation I had with Perry Goldstein. I, I, I remember bringing this up to her and she hated it. We got to get Perry back on. She's going to be in Green Bay for training camp, so we can talk to her after that. Um, I, I remember bringing this up. It's like, I think... If Rodgers was married and he had a family with kids, I feel like the Packers might have another Super Bowl and Rodgers might have another Super Bowl. And I said this like a year ago. And in the last couple of weeks, we got Colin Cowherd banging this drum. And I actually think it's it's an interesting point. Who are the athletes that really struggle sometimes with criticism that's levied against them? And who are some athletes that make, you know, kind of erratic decisions? Okay, Aaron Rodgers is one. Kevin Durant. Kyrie Irving. James Harden. Okay, so all of those guys aren't married. And they're super rich, and they have nothing on their hands but time. Right? And I feel like Rodgers is just sitting on his phone, and he's getting wigged out about things that he doesn't need to wig out about. Now, he can he can do whatever he wants. If he never wants to get married, doesn't have to get married, doesn't have to have kids. I'm not saying that, but you need to fill your time with something productive, man, because you shouldn't care what cheese curds 42069 tweets about you. On Twitter, like you, you just can't let that bother you. If you don't let it bother you, then like you know you don't you don't need to go to Peru to do an ayahuasca trip. Although you're more than welcome to do so, like go to Peru. I'd love to go to Peru. You know, could could take or leave the drugs, maybe. Um, but Machu Picchu would be really cool. I'd love to go to Peru. The Incans, my favorite of the ancient uh, Central and South American civilizations. The Mayans, uh, the Aztecs, overrated. Uh, the Incans. I am. I'm an Incans guy. This is an Incans show. Uh, Eric on I ninety has sent in. Oh, he said Aaron Rodgers says psychedelic drug less a bad season of career. I think he did it in 2019. Eric texting today. Interesting. I think he first. 
I think he first did this in 2019, and then it led into so that would have been the first year with Lafleur, the second year with Lafleur. And I know a lot of people have attributed, I think, psychedelics to a lot of positive impacts in people. David called us a couple of weeks ago and said psychedelics have been really productive in helping heal trauma and PTSD, and that's absolutely very true. I think someone with Rogers who's got all the money in the world and all the time in the world is like, maybe they could help me because I need to be helped. You know, maybe just stop going on Twitter so much. Stop reading everything that people say about you. Go out and touch grass. Go for a walk. You know what I mean? Get an Xbox. Play Call of Duty. Work for Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray sucks in the playoffs, and he got paid. You guys should be best friends. You guys have so much in common. Play Call of Duty with Kyler Murray. Heck, you can play Call of Duty with me. Right? Let's let's run some HQ games together. Aaron Rodgers is uber competitive. So am I. All about the objective, baby. I'll tank my kill, kill death ratio. It's fine. I just want the win. Play COD with me. Just get a hobby. Get something to consume your time. Because I listen to this podcast, and it's so much about dealing with negative perceptions and people saying things about you that aren't nice or things that are false. It's like, well, you know what? Don't listen. Just don't listen. I guess that's probably easier said than done. It's certainly easier if you don't have 10 hours a day where you're not doing anything because you're home alone. <laughs> Twitter, at Wisco Grant. You can give me a call or a text, 608-796-2558. I want to play you a clip from uh, one of my favorite sports talkers. Nick Wright talked about this on a podcast. And I thought he, he um, was the word, he articulated it very well. I was going to say he eloquated it very well, but that's certainly not right. So I want to play you one more clip. We can talk a little bit more about Rodgers, the mindset coming into the season and how it might be beneficial for the Packers after they've seemingly got caught in a rut for a few seasons now and plateaued in the playoffs. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports show, last couple of minutes. My name is Grant Bills. Happy to be back after taking a week off. You know, you go out to Montana for a week, you almost forget what day it is. It's very easy to just kind of get lost out there. Life moves a little bit more slowly in that part of the country. Just like life moves a little bit more slowly in the Driftless region of Wisconsin, whether you're in Westby or Viroqua, uh, which is where our next caller hails from. That is Eric on I-90. Eric, what's up? Hey, how you doing, buddy? I am uh, I'm doing great. I'm happy to be back at work. I feel productive again. I feel like a real man. I, I started to feel like a little bit of a freeloader last week. I wasn't doing anything. Nice. You need that. I do. I, I need purpose in my life. Now, hey, before you even start, don't even bring up Better Call Saul because I'm a week behind. I know the finale's tonight, but I'm I'm behind. Right. Well, that's all right. Okay. Um, you know, all good things come to an end. It's a, it's a good episode. If you're behind, so okay, you know definitely you can. If you, if, I think they're, I think they're um, better call solving a marathon now, so you could probably watch them back to back. Oh yeah, and I have AMC Plus, but I just uh, we're okay. Well, to open this can of worms, I'm, we're playing a show tomorrow in Alaska. We're playing Great River Sound, and we practiced last night, and we're practicing tonight. So I just I, I have no time. Otherwise, I'd watch them tonight, but we got band practice instead. Is this the Wada Shooter Clan that you're, you're playing for? <laughs> I can't believe you remember that. Yeah. Yep, that's the band name. Yeah, we stole it from you. Thank you again for that. You're welcome. Uh, 
What do you What well, do you think about? Back, yeah, I appreciate that. Did you call the, to talk? Did you just call to say hey, or were you listening to my uh, my reaction to Aaron Rodgers talking about self love? I was listening to your reaction, mm-hmm. and Aaron Rodgers is. Well, I'm going to point out something to him. Okay. Men loving themselves has been going on for centuries. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Damn it. Oh, it's nothing new there. Yeah. That's All funny. right. And then I did send you that text, right? Yes, you did. So, what do you think was his best year ever? Um. Well, I mean, I don't. I don't know. His best year ever is probably 2011, but then they lost in the wild card round. Uh, 2014, he was unbelievable. And then, honestly, 2020 during the pandemic, he was great, too. I think, and Eric Eager, our buddy from Pro Football Focus, I'm sure you've heard of Eric on the show. I listened to his podcast yesterday, and he basically said, like, yeah, maybe ayahuasca, maybe tripping in Peru did help. Or maybe it's just he had two or three really bad and unlucky years in a row when he was done with McCarthy. And things just started to break his way, and it happened to coincide with him using psychedelics. You know what I mean? I'm disappointed, Grant. Why? What was his best year ever? His best year ever? What do you what think? What was his best season ever? What do you think? Well, shouldn't it be the season he won the Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah, probably. But his, right. his stats weren't as gaudy. Like, he wasn't an MVP candidate that year like he has been since. I mean, accomplishment-wise, yes. I Statistically and, and personal accomplishments, 2010 probably wasn't it. But he also got hurt that year, so that impacts it, too. But doesn't that kind of move to a point that you've made more than once that maybe his best year ever is when he gets an MVP and not necessarily winning the Super Bowl? So, wait, are, are you trying to get me fired up on Rodgers saying his best year ever was 2020 instead of 2010? Do, do you want, is that what you want me to do? I can yell and say, oh, oh, the only thing that matters is Super Bowls. Like, I can do that if you want. I'm trying like, I'm oh, okay. trying like hell, Grant, but it's not working. <laughs> Okay. That's my bad. I, I need to. I need to pick up. I need to do a better job reading my callers. I've been off for a week. I should have picked up on that. Yeah, uh, Rogers' best season. You're right. Since he's been the Packers quarterback, his best season was 2010, and I won't hear anything else. You're right, Eric. And if I had a quarterback for my team that won the Super Bowl, that would definitely be my favorite year. My best year. I, I, I saw a rumor about your quarterback or a report this morning that the the Zimmer Cousins beef has been exaggerated. According to Dan Barrero of KFAN, he did an interview, I guess. So now we're not sure about Zimmer and Cousins. I don't know. I watched their first preseason game, and, you know, uh, Kellen Mond, I think he played very well. That's that's the only guy I was really watching. Really? And other, well, other players, I let the players jump out at me. I don't necessarily go, <laughs> I want to watch this guy and see what he does. Oh, Mond was the only guy I could... Mon came in and they stuffed him in a suitcase and shoved him in a culvert, and we haven't even heard from him. You know what I mean? It's, I know. So I was, I was, I was pleasantly surprised with them. Well, that's good. Um, there was some guys, an eight-year guy, uh, McGillis or McGill, eight-year guy, a nose tackle. Oh, okay. You know, sometimes there's some older guys that stand out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes in the preseason, you never know. Well, I mean, I'm glad to hear that you're, you're watching Kellen Mond. I love the idea that you, you said you wait for players to jump out to you instead of seeking them out. Maybe we'd all be better preseason football fans if we behave like that, Eric. I don't know. It's, it's fun, though. I mean, it's a great time of year. 
you know what? Don't get down on yourself because you're drinking the Kool-Aid and excited. We all have the right to be excited at this time of year, even Viking fans. Darn right. And get, ex- get excited, Eric. I have to, unfortunately, wrap up the show in about 40 seconds, so I'm going to let you go, Eric. Enjoy Better Call Saul tonight. Thanks for the call. Nice talking to you, bud. Eric on I-90. Love that guy. I, yeah, he was trying to set me up to yell about Aaron Rodgers. See, I've changed. A- Eric's been counting on me the last couple of months. He'll he'll throw a softball to me so I can crush Aaron Rodgers with something that he said, and I just I, that one went right over my head. That's a little bit of vacation brain, a little smooth brain still from vacation. But also, I'm just, I'm not as upset anymore about Aaron Rodgers. I'm, I'm ready for the season. I've moved on. I'm mature, and I'm ready to once again lose in the NFC Championship game. Mike Clevins, David Gasser tomorrow. Enjoy Brewers-Dodgers tonight. I'll talk to you tomorrow at 4.